We're in a series that we started last week in the Old Testament book of Genesis. It's about the life of Joseph, and we're calling this series Plot Twist, the story of Joseph. Because in Joseph's life, just like in your life, you will experience ups and downs, highs and lows, triumphs and tragedies, good days and bad days. And through it all, you can learn that God is with you, and you can keep your confidence and your faith in Him. And today I want to talk to you about a message I'm calling the success factor. You know, everybody seems to want to be successful in life. People define success in different terms. For some, to be successful means they have money and possessions. For others, to be successful means they become famous, maybe a YouTube star. For other people, it's about power and it's about position. If they can achieve certain goals or reach certain milestones in their careers, then they consider themselves successful. I was reading an article online just a couple of weeks ago that caught my attention. It was titled, 75-Year Harvard Study Reveals the Key to Success. And I thought, well, I want to read that. Harvard has been studying a group of men since 1939. They studied 268 male graduates of Harvard starting in 1939, and they studied the lives of 456 poor men, their terms, poor men from neighborhoods all around the city of Boston. And for over 75 years, they have followed these men uh, by doing self-reported interviews, brain scans, blood work interviewing their family and their friends. And they were looking for the answer, is there a common factor in success? If these men are successful, what was that common factor they all shared? And more specifically, what made these men perhaps more healthy? Or what made them happier than perhaps other people? And in the study, the current director of the study and professor of psychology at Harvard Richard Waldinger, he said, the clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. He said, one thing that we found across the spectrum of these men who, who were so different in so many ways is that if they were happier and healthier, they could trace it back to the fact they had good relationships in their life with their family, and they had good relationships with their friends. You see, we believe that that's a biblical principle. God wired us for community. God wired us for relationships. And even though we're going through a period of time of what some call social distancing, I would rather call it physical distancing. You can, ex you can experience physical distancing without experiencing social distancing. We need to keep those relationships and those channels of communication open and strong. They may look different today than they did a few months ago. But we need people in our lives who have our back. Who will be there for us. Who will encourage us. Who will inspire us. Who will support us. Who will cheer us on. We all need good relationships. In fact, that's one of the reasons the church is so powerful. Because it's not just a a building. It's not just sermons and songs. The church is a community of people who are doing life together, and we need each other. 
But I want to take it one step further today, and I think we'll see this illustrated from the life of Joseph, that really, I believe, not to dismiss the Harvard study, the, the Grant and Gluck study of the last 75 plus years, but to add to that, one of those relationships that you need is not just with another person in your family, and it's not just another friendship that you need. The number one relationship that you're going to need in life to be successful, to be happier and healthier, is a strong, growing relationship with God himself. In fact, I believe, and Jesus would teach us, that God must be first in our lives. That's why Jesus once was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? And he said, it's this, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is you love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's wonderful to have family and friends. We need that. But our first priority must be a growing, developing relationship with God himself. Because sometimes you're going to find needs in your life that a family or a friend cannot meet. You may go through periods of your life where you don't have that person in your life anymore. You may go through a period of your life where someone that you've leaned on and depended on lets you down. You need to know that there is one who never leaves you, who never forsakes you. One who will stay by your side no matter what. You need a growing relationship with God. And we see this so beautifully illustrated for us in the life of Joseph. Joseph knew that God was with him. Whether he was doing well or he was doing bad, he knew that God was with him. And because of that, the, the confidence that he had that the Lord was with him, it impacted everything he did and every decision he made. Knowing that God was with him impacted how he viewed his successes and his struggles. And let me ask you this question. What would you do if you knew God was with you? What would you do today about that problem or that opportunity if you knew deep down in your heart that God is with you? It will change how you view your problems. It will change how you view your obstacles. It will change how you view your struggles and your griefs and your temptations if you know that God is with you and that you have a relationship with him that nothing can break. The Lord was with Joseph. In fact, that's one of the refrains that we will hear as we read Genesis chapter 39 today, is that the Lord was with Joseph. Over and over, that refrain is heard. The Lord was with Joseph. And you say, Pastor, that's great, but how do I know he's with me? He was with Joseph, but sometimes I don't feel that God is with me. Well, you're going to have to bank on the promise of God in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you all the days of your life. No matter what situation you're going through, God promises that he is going to be with you. Don't always live by feelings. Feelings are deceptive. You're going to have to live by faith, by trusting that God keeps his word and that he is with you. And so whenever I think about the success factor. I think that the key success factor in all of our lives is that God's favor on your life is the greatest factor in your life. God's favor on your life is the greatest factor in your life. 
You may not have everything going for you in life that other people have. But if you've got God on your side, you have the greatest factor, the greatest key that you need to be successful. To be all that God wants you to be. So what we're going to do today is go to Genesis 39 and we're going to talk about how knowing God is with us changes us and helps us in every situation. If you're taking notes, you may want to jot this down. Knowing God is with you, first of all, gives you comfort in scary situations. Knowing God is with you gives you comfort in scary situations. Last week when we left off in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph has been betrayed by his own brothers who hated him and wanted to see him dead. He's only 17 years old when he is thrown into a pit by his own brothers. At first they intend to kill him, then they intend just to leave him there in the pit, and then eventually they choose to make a little money off of him, to profit off of him, and they sell him into slavery to the Ishmaelites, also uh, sometimes called the Midianites in the Old Testament. And the Ishmaelites take Joseph and they buy him from the brothers, but they then turn around and make a profit as well off of this 17-year-old kid, and they sell Joseph into slavery to a, an officer of Pharaoh. The officer's name is Potiphar. And now Joseph, 17 years old, is in one of the scariest situations that he could have ever imagined. He is a slave. He is banished from everyone he knew and loved. He is in a foreign pagan land. He is the lowest of the low in society. He is a common slave. He doesn't even know if he is going to live to see another day. One wrong move in that day as a slave and your master could kill you. That's how cheap life was if you were a slave. But remember, the Lord was with Joseph. And knowing that God is with you gives you comfort in scary situations. Look at verses 1 and 2. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. If someone were to summarize your life in one sentence, how would they summarize your life? If they just had to write a one sentence epitaph of your life, what would it be? Hopefully it wouldn't be something like she was always in a bad mood. Hopefully the summary of your life as people looked at you would not be, he was a jerk. Hopefully the summary of your life would not be, that person was hard to get along with. I, I don't know what the epitaph of your life would be, but maybe if you were trying to write a one-sentence epitaph of Joseph's life at this moment, maybe it would be, he couldn't catch a break. Or maybe it would be, Things went from bad to worse. Maybe that's how you would summarize Joseph's life. It just seems like it can't get any worse than your brothers hating you, but it does. They not only hate you, they want to kill you. It doesn't seem like it can get any worse than that, but it does. Rather than kill you, they decide to make money off of you and sell you into slavery. 
You say, well, it can't get any worse than that. But it does. You get sold a second time to a foreign land. And there you are, hundreds of miles from home, all alone, and you're a slave. And maybe you would say, well, I would summarize Joseph's life in this way. Things went from bad to worse, but you would be mistaken. The best way to summarize Joseph's life is the Lord was with him. That doesn't minimize all the other factors of Joseph's life, but it is greater than all those other factors of Joseph's life. And I don't want to minimize whatever scary situation that you may find yourself in today or that you may find yourself in tomorrow. I'm not making little or light of that, but I'm going to tell you something. As great as those factors are that shake you to your core, the greatest factor of your life is not what scares you, but what comforts you. And it is the knowledge that the Lord is with you. And that should be what summarizes all of our lives. She had some good times and she had some bad times in her life, but the Lord was with her. He went through some dark days, but the Lord was with him. It seemed like the bottom fell out, but the Lord was with him. That should be the summary of our lives and the defining factor of our lives. And listen, if you're checking out Christianity and you're looking into all of this, please don't misunderstand the Christian faith, it does not promise you a bed of roses the moment you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Christians, like non-Christians, go through good days and bad days, ups and downs, hurts and heartaches and happiness. We experience them all, but the difference for a follower of Jesus is that we know the Lord is with us. That's why in Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. I'm not facing my situation alone. I know that you are with me. And that brings me comfort. That brings me solace. That brings me strength that nothing else and no one else can and because of this knowledge and confidence in the Lord's presence in his life, Joseph did the best of things in the worst of times in his life. So many of us would have been tempted to give up and to quit and to moan and to say, where is God in all of this? And I knew this was too good to be true. There is no God. And I don't fault anyone for sometimes feeling like that. But listen, Joseph teaches us a lesson Knowing that God is with you gives you comfort in scary situations. And you need to know today by faith and confidence in God's word that God is with you. He's with you today, right now, in whatever you're facing. So first, knowing God is with you gives you comfort in scary situations. But second, knowing God is with you gives you commitment in challenging situations. It gives you commitment in challenging situations where you keep putting one foot in front of the other, where you keep doing the right thing even when people are doing the wrong things, and that you face any obstacle as just another opportunity to lean on your faith in God who is with you. Joseph's faith in God was exhibited through his faithfulness in life. Look at verse 3. It says, His master, this is Potiphar, His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him 
And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Potiphar started watching this new slave, this new servant, and he noticed something about Joseph. Even though he was a young man in a precarious, new, fearful situation, he noticed that Joseph's attitude was still a good attitude. And that when Joseph was given a job to do, Joseph did it. And he not only did it, he did it well. It seemed like everything you put in Joseph's hand flourished and was successful and prospered. And Potiphar was not a dumb man. It, I don't know how long the time elapsed, but eventually Potiphar says, this guy deserves more responsibility. And he begins to give him more and more responsibilities until eventually Potiphar puts Joseph over his whole household. You are under me, Joseph. There's me. I'm the head of this household. This whole estate is mine. But I'm going to put you in charge of it all. I want you to manage everything that I have. Listen, people are watching how you handle opportunities and obstacles. They're looking to see how you handle the challenges of your life. And our faith in God ought to be reflected in our faithfulness, in our marriage, in our home, in our workplace, at school, in the church, in the community, as a citizen of our nation. Our faith in God ought to be reflected in our faithfulness to whatever task that is before us. Christians ought to have the best reputations among people who are watching us because we are doing everything we do for the glory of God, knowing that He is watching over us. Verse 5 of Genesis 39, it says, From the time that He made Him overseer in His house and over all that He had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that He had in house and field. So whenever we take an opportunity or someone assigns a task to us or we're faced with a responsibility, let us rise up and demonstrate our faith in God through our faithfulness in that moment. Knowing God is with you gives you comfort in scary times, gives you commitment in challenging situations, and knowing God is with you, thirdly, gives you conviction in compromising situations. Knowing God is with you gives you conviction in compromising situations. Joseph is about to face a temptation and a situation that will tempt him to compromise his conviction in God and what it means to live for God and what it means to obey God and what it means to be right before God. And you and I are going to face temptations just like Joseph faced, where we're going to be placed in a position, will we stand on our convictions and our beliefs and our values and our morals and our Christian commitment? Or will we compromise those things to be more like the world, to get along, to be popular, to fulfill a pleasure? What will we decide Here's the compromising situation that Joseph faced in verse 6. It says, so he left all that he had. This is Potiphar. He left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So Potiphar, he didn't think about anything after he put Joseph in charge. Man, I'm not going to micromanage you. I trust you implicitly, 
with everything. And then he says in verse 6, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I love that. He was a good-looking guy. He was like a Jonas brother. You know, he was just one of those guys that you look at. Really? Where was I when God was giving out hair? You know, come on. Come on, God. Where was I when God was giving out height? You know, I mean, Joseph was a good-looking guy. He was not only attractive in his character, he was attractive in his appearance, but Joseph is about to garner some unwanted attention. Not any fault of his own, but he's about to get some unwelcomed admirer after him. Verse 7. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Miss Potiphar starts looking at Joseph. And the look turns into a linger. And the linger turns into lust. And she decides to use her position as the wife of Mr. Potiphar. The position of as the, the, the head of the home. That she wants Joseph. After all, he's just a slave. He's property. It's his job to do what he's told. And she commands him. She demands of him that he sleep with her. How is he going to respond? Verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph says to her, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. Your husband has trusted me with everything. He's put everything except you in my charge. After all, you're not my wife, you're his wife. Joseph is reminding us that adultery is actually defrauding another person of a relationship and intimacy that is only theirs. And you can call it what you want to, but it is stealing from someone a most precious, valuable relationship. And Joseph says, how can I do that? But notice something. He puts his refusal to commit this sin in a greater context than just the context of the relationship of Mr. and Mrs. Potiphar, as important as that is. No, he sees a larger context, a larger responsibility, a larger obligation that dictates everything he does. That's why he asks, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? For Joseph, his relationship with God was first and foremost. It was number one. He had made a commitment to obey God. And God has clearly said that sex outside of marriage is wrong. And Joseph says, I will not do this. Maybe people of his day would have rationalized it. Listen, you're a slave. It's your obligation. You've got to do what you're told. Or she can make it bad for you if you don't. Give in to her advances. Or no one will ever know. Who will ever know that you've done this? Or maybe he could have rationalized it 
after every hardship you've been through, you deserve some pleasure in your life. After all, doesn't God want you to be happy? But Joseph said, no, I cannot do this because it would be a sin against God. Maybe your temptation is in the sexual arena, which I don't know who doesn't face temptations in that arena. I remember hearing Dr. Adrian Rogers say to, to a bunch of us men when we were at a, a conference he was leading and he, he was preaching to preachers. And he said, listen, if you've never been tempted sexually, you're either Superman, He-Man, or you're no man. <laughs> So maybe you're facing a temptation sexually, or maybe you're facing a temptation in how you handle drugs or alcohol. Maybe you're facing a temptation to compromise uh, and get involved in a, a shady business deal. Maybe you're being tempted to compromise a relationship and trust, and you're about to divulge some secrets that you promised you wouldn't share. Wherever you're facing that temptation, you need to remember that God is with you. And just as that brings comfort when you're going through scary times and commitment when you're going through challenging times, it brings conviction when you're going through tempting times because you know no matter who else knows, no matter who else sees, no matter who else ever finds out about this, God is watching. And God is there. And you're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Now, how did Joseph respond? Joseph, the Bible says uh, in verses 10 through 18, Faces this temptation day in and day out. Because he didn't just rebuff her one time. She came after him day after day, the Bible says. Lie with me. Sleep with me. Eventually, she probably orchestrated it that on a day when there were no other men in the home, that Joseph came in and she went after him one more time. This time, she didn't just use her words. She used her hands. She physically grabbed Joseph and commanded him to have sex with her. And in that moment, what did Joseph do when she had escalated this abuse? Did he say, now, Miss Potiphar, come on, let's, let's kneel down here by the bed and pray about this, and I think you'll see things more clearly. No, the scriptures say as soon as she grabbed him by the coat, he ran from her and left his coat with her. In her hand. You can almost imagine him wearing his coat. She's grabbing it and pulling on him, trying to drag him into the bedroom. And he is pulling away from her. And finally he gets his arms out of that coat and he runs as fast as he can. Listen, when you and I face temptation, we've only got one of two choices. We can either succumb to the temptation or we can run from the temptation. And Joseph chose to run. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, and I see these exit signs in this building, that for every temptation that we face, it's common, we're all going to face them, but with every temptation, God makes a way of escape. Listen, if there was a fire alarm in this building, and there's a fire, and there is smoke, we're not going to linger here, I promise you. We're not going to have a Bible study and, and look at the entomology of the word fire. We're not going to try to rationalize it and say, well, I see it, but I can handle it. I'm stronger than this fire. I can handle it. No, we're going to say, I don't want to get burned. I'm out of here. And we take advantage of the exits that have been provided for us. And whatever temptation you're facing, 
Remember God is with you and look for the exit, the way out that he has given you and run. So knowing that God is with you gives you comfort in scary situations. It gives you commitment in challenging situations. And it gives you conviction in compromising situations that you're going to stand for God and do what is right no matter what. But it also, number four, knowing that God is with you gives you compassion in changing situations. Compassion, kindness, mercy from God in changing situations. You would think that Joseph, having done the right thing, would have been rewarded for that. But instead, he's punished for that. As soon as Joseph runs and flees, Mrs. Potiphar, who is not accustomed to being rebuffed like this and embarrassed like this, begins to scream at the top of her lungs, Rape! Rape! And when the other servants and men of the house come in, she tells them, That Hebrew that Mr. Potiphar brought into this house tried to rape me. See, I've got his coat. This is proof that what I'm saying is true. When Mr. P came home, she told him the same story. That Hebrew that you brought to me tried to rape me. Here's his coat. And based on that circumstantial evidence of the coat, Mr. Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. Look at verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. It's interesting to me that in that culture, rape was a capital crime. You would be put to death for attempted rape. And yet, Potiphar doesn't kill Joseph. Instead, he throws him into prison. And I wonder why. Well, it says that his anger was kindled, but it doesn't say against whom. Maybe he was angry at Joseph. Or maybe he was angry at his wife. Because Mr. Potiphar, he knew the character and integrity of Joseph. He had seen that demonstrated for years by this point. And he knew enough about his wife's character that he didn't fully believe this story. And so instead of killing Joseph, he throws him into prison. And there again, things seem to have gone from bad to worse for this young man. He can't catch a break. And you couldn't blame him for giving up. But Joseph knew, even when the circumstances of my life change, the character of God never does. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was good yesterday. He is still good today. I can count on him being good tomorrow. God was with me yesterday. He's with me today. I can count on him being with me tomorrow. So Joseph didn't give up. In fact, look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Joseph, God keeps using him, keeps blessing him. He becomes more and more successful. It says whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. He was in charge. 
Verse 23, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because, here it is again, say it out loud, the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Knowing that God is with you, no matter what, gives you compassion in changing situations. Not your compassion for others, but it gives you God's compassion, kindness, loving mercy for whatever you're facing in this new chapter of your life. And little does Joseph realize, God has given Joseph administrative skills and he is developing those administrative skills all the way from when he was helping his father out on the farm to when he was helping in Potiphar's house to now he's in charge of the prison. God is honing his skills because there's coming a day when God is going to use Joseph to save the whole nation of Egypt from famine, to save the whole nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, from famine, and to save his own family, including his brothers who betrayed him from destruction and death. And there's even a bigger story there that we don't have time to talk about. This is bigger than Joseph. This is bigger than Potiphar. This is even bigger than the Hebrew people. It is through this line of people and this family that centuries later from Joseph's life will be born Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And God is the hero of this story. Not Joseph. God is the hero of this story. But the same Lord who is with Joseph is with you as well today. He wants to give you comfort for your scary situations. He wants to give you commitment in your challenging situations. He wants to strengthen your conviction in compromising situations. And he wants you to experience his compassion in changing situations. In my Encouragement to you today is just as you need human relationships in this life to be happier and to be healthier and to be more successful, you first and foremost need a relationship with God. And I'm going to encourage you, lean into that relationship with God. Lean in. Maybe it's a good time in your life right now. Lean in because the bad times are coming and you're going to need your faith in God. Maybe you're going through a bad time right now. Lean in to that relationship with God. What do you have to lose? What else is there but God? Maybe for you, leaning into this relationship with God might be to replace some of this screen time with some scripture time and get to know the God who is with you better. Maybe for you, to lean into this relationship means that you you change up some of the music that you listen to whenever you're exercising or you're running or jogging and you bring in some Christian music that's going to speak to your soul, feed your soul. Maybe for you to lean into this relationship with God means that you take your, your praises and your petitions to God in prayer and you just learn to talk to God about what you're dealing with throughout your life. And remember... That the greatest factor in your life is God's favor on your life. And say, God, with you, I can handle anything. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you and praise you for this reminder that you are with us. That you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. 
And God, we also thank you for the example of Joseph. That just as you were with him, you are with us. And we want to lean into that relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that every one of us in this room who know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior would take steps this week, even today, to lean in to the relationship with you, knowing that you are with us. Make us more aware of your presence in our life. Make us more conscious that you are with us. And let us receive from you all that we need through your strength to live for you. Father, if there's anyone today that needs Jesus, I pray that today they would begin a relationship with you by receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, by trusting in Him and turning from their sin and receiving His gift of eternal life and His forgiveness of sin. Thank you that you have promised us in your word that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from their sin. And so today, God, maybe there's someone, maybe it's a husband or a dad, a mom, or a wife. It could be a teenager today, or a senior adult today, a single adult today who says, God, I'm a sinner. I've not loved you, and I've not treated others like I should, but I know Jesus is your son, and I know that you sent him to die on the cross for my punishment. And because you love me, you let him be my substitute for sin. And having died for me, he was buried, but I believe he's alive today from that grave. And that he can hear me even now as I pray. So I call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I put my confidence in you. And Father, I thank you for the promise of your word. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So dear friend, if that's you today. If you've received Jesus today, right now. Welcome into the family of God by the promise of Jesus. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in all of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed to receive Jesus with me, go to our website, fcbc.life, and let us know that today you made a commitment to trust Jesus. Last Sunday, someone sent that email in and said, today I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. We're so thankful about that. Let's give God a hand for that. So if you've trusted Christ today, or if you want to take a next step in your journey with God and reaching higher for that life he has for you, let us know how we can help you. Thank you for being here. Love you guys. God bless you.